Hey, welcome to the podcast for Scotts Hill Baptist Church. We hope this message helps you discern what is true, what is right, and what is good. We pray it is an encouragement for you today. If you have a Bible or want to download the Bible app real quick and follow along, we're exploring the book of Psalm today. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning, church family. How are we doing today? Good, good. Well, we want to welcome you this morning to Scotts Hill. And for those of you guys that are watching online, we are so grateful for you continuing to gather with us, whether it's in a watch party or just there with your family. We're so grateful that God is continuing to transform your lives as you join with us each and every week. We want to bring you guys attention to something that we've been bringing to you guys over the course of the last month. Uh, We've talked about the Baptist Children's Home and the need that they've had uh, for partners to step up and to be part of um, helping bring some relief in some areas that they have been needing. And we've asked you as a church family uh, to partner with us, to partner with them for a $30,000 fundraiser. And we just want to report to you guys that because of your generosity over the course of this last month, along with your generosity through the course of the year and our missions budget, we've been able to satisfy that. We've been able to give that $30,000 gift to the Baptist Children's Home so that they can, amen, let's give the Lord a hand for, for that great opportunity Uh, for those students to be able to have the things that they need over the course of this next month and how God has used us in that, which is a phenomenal testimony to his grace and his work. Well, there he was. His heart was racing. His hands were getting sweaty. And in his mind, the only thing that he could think was, be quiet. Stay still. Don't let them know where you are. And his mind kept repeating this over and over and over again. Stay still. Be quiet. Don't let them know where you are. And and he could hear the footsteps getting closer and closer and closer until at last I found Aaron. Where was he? Hiding behind the chair again. I don't know about you guys, but over the course of this coronavirus, our family has been able to engage in some some exciting things. We've grown in our family kickball tradition. Uh, We've been able to uh, do things like uh, develop some card sharks in our family. We have uh, some folks that love cards more and more than they did before. And we have a great game called Hiding Seek. Now, Hiding Seek is a lot like Hide and Seek, But it's a little bit different because Aaron, our five-year-old, calls it hide-and-seek. And And so because he's just a cute little guy, and we didn't want to correct him on this, our family plays hide-and-seek rather than hide-and-seek. And And Aaron loves this game. And he he is absolutely enthralled with the opportunity to play hide-and-seek. Every night after dinner, the first thing that comes out of his mouth is, okay, guys, let's let's play hide-and-seek. I want all of us to play. And he wants everybody in our family to be as excited about this as he is. He thinks he's the best. He is sure that he is the best, even though he only hides in one of three places. (laughs) The psalm that we're going to study today draws our attention to the fact that just like my five-year-old, we are all people who find ourselves hiding at different times, aren't we? We find ourselves hiding in a variety of ways. And some things that we do as it relates to hiding, they aren't really that big of a deal or that problematic. I mean, for some of you parents, or for some of you parents, you, you might hide the cookies from your kids. 
Wives, you might do the same for your husbands. You hide the cookies from them. Um, but then there are some things that are a lot more uh, serious as it relates to hiding. I think about folks that are in the witness protection program. They have to hide their identity. They have to change their identity for fear of, of somebody knowing who they are and coming after them to harm them or their families. You also think about somebody like Corey Tin Boom, whose family during the Holocaust created a literal hiding place for Jews to be protected during the Holocaust. Now this morning, we are going to uh, spend our time studying Psalm 32. And, and as we turn in our Bibles there this morning, we understand that the reality is that hiding happens, hiding happens all around us. There's a reality for the psalmists as well. So if you go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Psalm 32, and today we're going to learn uh, what David says and teaches us, the blessing that comes whenever we hide in God rather than hiding from God. So would you join me as we read Psalm 32 together. It'll be on the screens for you to follow along. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely in the rush of great waters, they shall not reach him. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curbed with bit and bridle, or it will not stay near you. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but the steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you've given it to us by your grace. And this morning, as we study it, we pray that you would reveal our hearts, that you would apply your great and merciful grace to us, that we would be transformed and changed into the likeness of Christ. In his name we pray, amen. One thing I love about the Psalms is their honesty. Uh, you've been reading the Psalms for some time now, and you know that they honestly evaluate situations and circumstances. They honestly deal with praise and encouragement. And in the beginning of this Psalm, David puts all his cards on the table as it relates to the reality that we can experience delight and joy in this life. And David doesn't share this in kind of an abstract, principled reality. No, he shares it from personal experience. You see, Psalm 32 is thought by many to be a companion with Psalm 51. And if you know anything about Psalm 51, 
You know that that is David's heart-wrenching cry of forgiveness to the Lord. He calls out to the Lord in that time as it relates to a situation in his life where, where Nathan the prophet confronted him about his murderous, adulterous relationship with Bathsheba. And, and David brought that to light. But there's something different here in Psalm 32. Rather than David expressing that same heartfelt, heart-wrenching cry, he shares his testimony of how great it is to be forgiven. And he invites us to enjoy the same. He wants us to know the joy that can be ours when we hide in God, not from God. When we hide in God and not from God. The first truth that David wants us to see is this. To be hidden in Christ is to be truly happy. To be hidden in Christ is to be truly happy. This psalm begins with the word blessed. Uh, not just one time. He gives us a double dose of blessing in this first verses. Uh, whenever we look at this, we know that blessed is often translated as happy. And so David uh, at the outset is communicating to us, his readers, that it is possible for us to be truly happy. There is a way of life that results in true and lasting joy. It's in the way of being forgiven. It's in the way of being covered and cleansed and acquitted by God. Of all the things that he could have helped us to understand, this is the thing he leads with. This is the thing that he presents us with first. Now, I don't know if you guys noticed or not, but in the first two verses, David uses three different words to describe sin. And now, if you missed it, I'm going to go ahead and put them on the screen, show you this verses again. This is what David says in chapter 32, verses 1 and 2. He says, blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity and whose spirit there is no deceit. In these verses, he uses three words. He uses the word transgression, which deals with our rebellion against a divine authority. He uses the word sin, which deals with the fact that we miss the mark of God's standard of perfection and holiness. And he uses the word iniquity, which deals with our guilt. Now, He's not talking about the guilt where we kind of feel guilty about doing something. You know, we feel bad about it. No, he's talking about the reality that we have actually done something wrong, that we are actually guilty people. Now, you might wonder as you read this, David, man, why are you throwing the Hebrew thesaurus at me on this, uh, this sin deal? Why are, you, why are you bringing it up over and over and over again? It's because he wants us to see the depth of our problem. Oftentimes when we talk about sin, we just associate it with a few bad choices. We chose a few bad things, but this passage wants us to help, helps us to see that sin is much more than just a few bad choices that we make. David wants us to see the heinousness of our sin. He wants us to know, though, that even in the dark and evil and offensive things that we have done against God. He wants us to know that when we have our transgressions 
forgiven. We can feel the weight of our rebellion, the weight of God's wrath lifted from our souls. This reminds us that we shouldn't try to minimize our sin. You see, the the reality is that when we minimize the nature of sin, we minimize the need for forgiveness. And when we minimize the need for forgiveness, we minimize the work of Jesus on the cross. No, we must view our sin seriously. And here he wants us to know that when we have those sins covered, all the wayward, mark-missing attitudes and actions that we have committed are dismissed by the divine judge. He wants us to know that our guilt, our actual guilt for the wrongs that we have done have been canceled, never to be brought back against us again. You see, the seriousness with which we view our sin is directly connected to the hatred that we have for it. It's directly connected to the diligence with which we seek to be free from it, and it is directly connected to the great joy that we have in being forgiven of it. But even as blessed as David was in his telling us this, his understanding of forgiveness and cleansing were not as full as you and I can experience today. You see, David, uh, in writing this, was in the midst of a system in the Old Testament that dealt with animal sacrifices given on a particular day that were good for a particular period of time. But for us today, we don't look to animal sacrifices and a system. We look to a person. We look to Jesus. You see, it's only in Jesus that is a reality for us. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15, 3, he says this, Christ died for our sins. Christ died for our sins so that we can be covered. It is only because Christ was crushed for our iniquities that our debt can be canceled. It's only because Christ bore our sins on his body that our sins can be forgiven. And here David shouts and rejoices with praises of thanksgiving precisely because his sins have been forgiven. Which brings us to us today. What about you? Does does the reality and reminder of your sins being forgiven produce in you an exuberant joy? Or when you hear about your sins being forgiven, are you like, meh? Oh, I pray that our hearts would sing with glad songs of deliverance because our sins have been forgiven. As we reflect on the depths of our sin and the work that Christ has accomplished, I pray that our hearts would well with joy and delight and treasure of who he is and what he's done. And that we would, like David, almost not be able to contain our excitement and our joy in that truth. We also see in this passage 
that the one who experiences this kind of joy is the one who comes clean with God. It's the one who comes out of hiding from God and moves to hiding in God. David says it this way. He says it's the one in whose spirit there is no deceit. There is no hiding. There is no covering. There is no lying to one's self. John says it this way in 1 John chapter 1. He says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. For if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. I love what David is doing here as he's presented us first with this great joyful exuberance of what it means to be forgiven and the blessing that goes along with that. He talks about the joy of being clean with God and coming clean with God, but then he shifts his attention and he says something like, but I almost missed it. I almost missed the joy of being forgiven because I thought I could come up with a better way. I thought I could come up with a better way to be happy in this life. I thought that I could hide from God and that would be the path to true and lasting happiness. David believed the lie that he could convince himself that there was true happiness some other way. He believed the lie that said, I'm not coming out of hiding because God doesn't really see what I'm doing. God doesn't really see it. He believed the lie that said, I'm not coming out of hiding because one day it'll just go away. I'll just stop doing it. He believed the lie that says, I'm not coming out of hiding because of, of what it will do to my life. If I confess this area of sin in my life, I don't know what that's going to mean for my life. He believed the lie that said, I'm not coming out of hiding because of what people will think of me or what it will do to my relationships. But ultimately, as David considered this, as David walked through this, he ultimately discovers this truth. Hiding from God imprisons us in a destructive delusion. Hiding from God imprisons us in a destructive delusion. You see, we wanna believe that we are able to get one over on God, that we can pull the wool over his eyes and he doesn't know what's going on. We see David doing this even in verse three. It says, for when I kept silent. Oh, David kept silent. He kept silent and he was planning on continuing to keep silent except for God's grace in his life. But guys, this isn't anything new. Hiding is something that is as old as Adam and Eve. In Genesis chapter three, we read this. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. 
And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Now you guys notice in this passage, the first thing that Adam and Eve didn't do was start calling out to God, saying, God, we've messed up. God, we have sinned. We've broken your law. Please, please, please come and help us. Please come and provide a covering. Nope. They hid. They covered themselves with a makeshift covering from fig leaves. They started hiding, but it didn't work for them. And it didn't work for David, but David still wanted to believe that it could. He tried to hide. Does this delusion sound familiar to any of you today? God exposes the foolishness of this kind of thinking in Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 23, we hear God say this, am I a God at hand, declares the Lord, and not a God far away? Can a man hide himself in secret places so that I cannot see him, declares the Lord. Do I not fill heaven and earth, declares the Lord. You see, this life is not ultimately a game of cosmic hiding-seek because God sees everything. He sees everywhere that we try to hide. Not only is there this great delusion, we also see in the passage that this hiding leads to destruction. David felt the the physical and emotional effects of hiding from God. Notice what he says in verses three and four. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. Here we see a man. We know from from history and from the scriptures that David was a man that was full of vigor and strength. He fought lions and all these things. We knew that he is a great man, full of life. But here we see this great man reduced to an old, worn out shell of a man. This isn't really hard for us to imagine, I don't think. For anybody to understand what the sun does to people, it would be those of us that live near the beach. How many of you guys like going to the beach? Some beachgoers in here? All right. Now, imagine this. You've gone to the beach for a good portion of the day. And you've been out there, you know, you've flipped over a couple of times, you swam in the ocean a little bit, you laid out to dry out a little bit more, and then your friend comes to you and says, hey man, you want to go down to the CrossFit box and get in a workout? Or your other friend says, hey, how about we go run a half marathon? How many of you guys are signing up for that after being at the beach for a couple of hours? Yep, not any of us. I mean, most of us wouldn't want to do that in the, in the first place, but add the sun and the heat and what it does to you. Even if you've just been out there for a few hours, you know that your energy is spent. After being at the beach, where do you want to go? You want to go home. You want to get on the couch. You want to cool down. 
You want to get some fluids. You want to get recuperated. You want to be able to relax and be re-strengthened. I think of this whenever I think about folks that come down for vacation. You know the one that had way too much time in the sun the first day, don't you? Yeah, he's the one that's under the tent with his, all the clothes on, the glasses and the hat and everything else. So we know what it means to be dried up as if in the heat of summer. You see, David's hiding left him feeling that way, completely exhausted. And yet we can see, even in that, that David was grateful that God didn't let him go his own way. That God's heavy hand brought his sin to light. Now, I think for some of us, sometimes we have this internal argument that says, ah, I don't really like it that God knows everything about me. I really kind of wish that he didn't. But guys, it is really a hopeful thing that God knows everything about us. Can you imagine the hopelessness that we would be involved in if we could actually hide from God? If we could hide from God that there would be no real opportunity for change. Only the things that we let God know about could we change in. But the reality is that he sees everything about us and so he can work in us through circumstances and situations to bring about the change that he desires. He can bring our sin to light and friends, that is good news for us that we know that we have a God who can see everything. I'm gonna give you a kind of a recent example of this. It happened a couple of hundred years ago, uh, but, and it happened about 100 years apart. The year was 1881, and uh, our 20th president, James Garfield, had been in office for three months. And there was a crazed gunman who, who came and he shot him, tried to assassinate the president, but he didn't die. He didn't die initially, that is. It took him three months. Three months, after three months, the 20th president died. Now, how did he die? It's interesting. The reason that he died is because they couldn't find the bullet in his body. And so the doctors stuck their hands into his abdomen and rooted around in there and put their utensils in there and poked around and prodded around to try and locate this bullet, but they couldn't find it. They ended up piercing his liver he ended up developing infections in his body, which ultimately he's come to after three months. Fast forward 100 years, another attempted assassination. The year was 1981, and, and this time it was the 40th president, Ronald Reagan. He, was, he too was shot, but in a matter of minutes, the doctors were able to find the bullet, extract it, and he was able to go on, complete his presidency, Live for many, many years after that. What's the difference between the two? Well, it's a, a little invention. Invented after Garfield, but before Reagan. In 1895, this little invention we know as the X-ray. The X-ray. The X-ray now exposes things that were once invisible. One writer says, X-rays have revolutionized our view of the world. They cast light on the previously invisible realm. You see, because of X-ray technology, things that were once hidden are now visible, and once visible can be addressed. The same is true for us in many ways when it regards our sin and God's ability to see. 
Now, if you're here today or you're watching online and you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ and you're hiding your sin, maybe there's some area of your life that you are unwilling to bring to the light or maybe you're here today or you're watching online and and maybe that sin has been uncovered, whether by your choice or by some other circumstance in your life. Recognize that today, in this time, this is God's grace towards you. He is the one that has exposed this so that you can change, so that his work of transformation can continue to take root in your heart and in your life. The writer to Hebrews reminds us of this in Hebrews chapter 12. He says, for they, our earthly fathers, disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them. But he, God, disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Maybe you're here today and you say, man, my life's a wreck. My life is all out of sorts and all out of whack and I don't know what's going on. Now this isn't always the case, but have you considered that God may be trying to get your attention? Have you considered that in his grace he is moving out all the things in your life so that he can move in? Maybe he is drawing you out of hiding by his kind and gentle mercy so that you can experience his life-giving grace through the forgiveness of your sins. You see, David thought the solution to his predicament was to hide all the evidence, to get rid of all the evidence. God's solution was to bring everything into the light. You see, God brought David to a place where he had to ultimately betray himself, where he had to abandon every attempt that he was trying to put forward to fix his own problem. And do you know what he found whenever he did that? Do you know what David found? He found freedom. He found freedom. Because friends, what we see in this passage is that hiding in God frees us from sin and from shame. Hiding in God frees us from sin and shame. Notice what David says in verse five. He says, I acknowledged my sin to you. I did not cover my iniquity. And I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the iniquity of my sin. You see, the real question that David is trying to answer here and that he does answer is this. Can anyone legitimately deal with my problem. If I betray myself, if I come out of hiding, if I bring this all to the light, will I find a welcome? And David answers us with a resounding yes. I will find welcome in Christ. That's good news for us today. When the writer comes out of hiding in his sin, when he gives up his delusion, God lifts his burden. He turns from his sin and by faith puts his trust in the finished work of Christ. 
He puts his trust and hope in the forgiveness that is offered by God and he finds freedom. He finds hope to change. But friends, the enemy, the enemy of our souls wants, to embra- wants us to embrace our hiding for us to live in shame. He doesn't want you to embrace the full forgiveness that you have in Christ. He doesn't want you to embrace that. The enemy knows that if he can keep you hiding from God, then your life will be unfruitful. Consider this situation. You know a friend who is not walking with the Lord, doesn't know Christ, and you commit in your heart and in your mind, even maybe after our prayer prompts today, that I wanna share the gospel with them. And you're making plans to go and do that, and, and then you hear that voice or that conviction or that attack that says, uh-uh-uh. You just yelled at your kids. You just yelled at your kids. You can't go talk to that person about Jesus. You're such a fake. Not even a real Christian. But whenever we bring our lives to the light, when we hide in the Lord, we can stand against the enemy's lies. And we can be like Martin Luther. I love this quote from Martin Luther. He says, in regard to our enemy, he says, as often as you object that I am a sinner, so often you remind me of the benefit of Christ, my Redeemer, on whose shoulders and not mine lie all my sins. So when you say I am a sinner, you do not terrify me. You comfort me immeasurably. Can you imagine the comfort that we would enjoy if we just brought our lives into the light? We say, God, you know everything about me. I'm gonna walk in this full forgiveness and freedom. Why can we do that? Because to the one whom I am ultimately accountable, I'm already accepted in Christ. I'm already accepted. Christ is my advocate. He is my plea. He goes before me and between me and God. He is my mediator. And no one can separate me from his love. Not only does hiding in God free me from sin and shame, hiding in God forges a new way forward. It forges a new way forward for me. Notice what David says in verse Six and seven, he says, therefore let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely in the rush of the great waters, they shall not reach him. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. See, this this new way forward begins with us running to God, running to God who says, I will be found, running to God quickly, running to God today. This new identity, this new state for David provides the new path for life. Rather than hiding from God, he hides in God and finds his safety. Rather than hiding and guarding himself from God, God is now his preserver and therein he finds protection. God, rather than, oh, David, rather than silencing his sin and hiding in that He hears the freeing shouts. He hears the shouts of coming clean with God and God's shouting over him. His rejoicing in David. 
Not only does we see this refuge, this place of refuge as a new way forward as we move quickly towards God, but we also see that it gives us a new and holy direction. We see this in verses eight and nine. This is the Lord talking to David. He says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curbed with bit and bridle, or it will not stay near you. See, if we think about it, wouldn't it be awful if God freed us from our sin and forgave us and then say, now, just go figure it out on your own. I did the hard part, now you just go figure it all out. That would be awful. But he doesn't do that. God, in his gentle and patient way, instructs us. He gives us direction that will bring him honor and glory. We see here that forgiveness from sin should lead us to an obedient life. Now, he uses the example of horses and mules because there's an inherent waywardness in them. Mules and horses are stubborn. Now, I don't know about you, there might be a little bit of out of context for us because I don't really uh, use a horse for travel. Um, my daily work doesn't really involve mules. So it might not land home with us as it relates to the inability to counsel or to give instruction to horses or mules. But I thought about a, a little bit more of a, a, a today kind of example. Cats. How many of you have ever tried to train a cat? Oh, well, we got some takers in the house. Wasn't sure about that one. So some of you have tried training cats, but most of us don't because we have an understanding that this generally doesn't work. And even though Pastor Phil tried his hardest to get this cat to obey him with all the love and cuddles that he could give, the cat still did not obey. David is telling us here, be teachable. Be teachable. Hear the word of the Lord because God is giving it for your ongoing protection. He wants to continue transforming you, so listen to his word. Over the course of this psalm, David has given us counsel to hide in God and not from him. He has counseled us over and over and over in this manner. But what, what are some things that God calls us to to apply this in our own lives? I want to give you three takeaways from today. The first thing is this. God has given you his word to uncover areas in your life that he wants to change. Study it daily. God has given you his word. He's revealed himself to us. His word exposes us. He wants us to learn and grow to be like Christ. Let's study his word daily. Not only do we see this, but we also see God's ongoing grace is sufficient to, con to continue cleansing you. Run to him quickly. As God exposes areas in your life that need to be changed and transformed, don't continue hiding it in the darkness of silence and solitude, but bring it to the Lord. Come to him quickly. He is a father who is waiting to embrace you, to change you, to transform, and to encourage you. Run to him quickly. Don't hide from him in your life. And the last thing, God has given you a testimony to promote his grace. Share it often. 
The one thing I love about this, this passage is that it is really a testimony. It's David's testimony to us of the joy of being forgiven. And the way that I want to think about this for us today, and that really, as I considered it, this statement came to mind. Forgiven people tell others how to be forgiven. Forgiven people tell others how to be forgiven. If you enjoy being forgiven, it's the thing that you find to be most satisfying in your life, where you find joy unexpressible. Why wouldn't you share it with others? Wouldn't we want them to have that same joy? Wouldn't we want them to know the relief of our burdens being lifted and being clean with God and coming into his presence without fear of condemnation or judgment? Friends, forgiven people tell others how to be forgiven. David closes this psalm with a reminder for us that kind of encapsulates everything that he's already taught us today. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. David tried to conceal his life, his sin, his guilt, all under deceptive premises. But God found him. And ultimately, David found that for his life to be truly hidden, it must be opened to the transforming work of God. David tells us that there is truly hope for hiders. This hope is when we come out of hiding in our sin and in our shame to hide ourselves in the forgiving grace given to us in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word that you use. We thank you for your spirit. Oh, Father, we thank you for the cross because of which we can stand as people who are forgiven. We can come to you not as people who are fearful because of our sin and shame, but can come to you with boldness because of what Christ has accomplished on our behalf. Would you regularly bring to our mind the joy of our forgiveness so that we might share it with others? In Christ's name we pray, amen. Thank you for joining us on the Scotts Hill Podcast. Thank you to those who continue to give generously to this ministry. If you want more information about Scotts Hill, how to get connected in your community, or want to know more about Jesus, visit www.scottshill.org slash podcast for more information. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe to get notifications of future episodes. You can also share it with your friends via text message or take a screenshot and post it on your social media stories. Make sure to tag us at Scotts Hill. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.